Well, good morning to you. I'd like to invite you guys to please stand and just join our voices together as we sing our thanks to the Lord. Well, good morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's have church. Hey, good to see you this morning. Thank you so much for being here. I especially want to welcome those of you that are our special guests. We're so glad that you're here today. I hope that you picked up a bulletin on the way in. All the announcements in there are extremely important, and there's several things going on next Sunday. Uh, so make sure you read through all the announcements so you can be aware of that. Next Sunday is the last day to return your Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. Uh, we'll pray over them at the end of service uh, next Sunday. And then we will load them up and uh, drop them off at a pickup center on Monday. So if, if you have picked up a Operation Christmas Child box... Uh, please go ahead and, and get that thing filled up this week and brought in by next Sunday. I uh, appreciate Brandon filling in for us. Uh, Nancy called me this morning. She's uh, fever and headache and all that good stuff that goes with either the flu or COVID. And so she's being tested uh, today and uh, she's not able to be with us. So at like, what was it, maybe 7 o'clock this morning, Brandon found out he's going to be leading music. So... Uh, thank you, Brandon. We appreciate you being willing to step in at last uh, moment's notice. But please do pray for Nancy, uh, that she'll get the feeling better, and uh, this will be short-lived. Again, it's good to see you here. Uh, one other thing, real quick, before I pray. Uh, the playground out back is finished as far as the installation of the equipment, all the mulch. Everything as far as what we have purchased and everything is, is completely finished. However, we did take up some fence posts toward the middle of our playground when we took up the old fencing, and there's still some significant holes there in the playground that just right for a child's foot to go into and break an ankle or a leg. So we're going to ask you, as tempting as it may be, to keep the kids off of the playground for at least one more week while we have an opportunity to fill those holes and make sure that everything is safe for them. Uh, I, I know it's tempting uh, to get out there and be one of the first ones to slide down to slide or swing on the uh, swing and whatever it may be. 
Uh, and that's just for the adults. Now, kids, uh, we, want, we want you to be safe. So just please keep that in mind that we're asking you to give us one more week. But if you have a chance to ride back through the backside of uh, our parking lot and see the, the equipment that's been put up. It looks extremely nice. Uh, you guys did a good job picking it out, and, and they did a good job putting it up, so now we have something we can be proud of back there. Let's take just a moment to pray together. Our Father and our God, it's good to be in the house of the Lord on this Lord's Day. Lord, we are mindful of the fact that you have called us here for a reason. That none of us in this room right now are here by accident. But we have a divine appointment with you, our creator. We have an opportunity to come into your presence. Lord, we know that you're already here because you've told us that when two or three are gathered, you're going to be in the midst. But Lord, now help us to come into your presence. Help us to set aside all of those things of this past week that have worried us and concerned us and weighed us down with burdens. Lord, help us to be able to set those things aside for this just this moment. For all those things that's in the week ahead that's already screaming for our attention and calling for us to focus on them. Lord, help us to set those things aside. That while we are in this room together this morning, we will be able to focus on one thing and one thing only. And that is the beauty and the majesty and the glory of our Savior Jesus Christ. That we will be able to sing with one voice and proclaim your goodness and your greatness. Lord, that we'll be able to study together and and see revealed through your word, your truth that is holy, good, and righteous that we'll be able to fellowship with one another, to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ and whatever may be going on in their life. Lord, I just pray that during this time, you will be the center and the focus of all that we do. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for who you are. We give you this time right now, and we pray, God, that you guide us. We pray that you be with Nancy, help her to feel better. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for... Uh, all that you do for us. And Lord, today we want your will to be done. And that's our humble prayer. In the most precious name that we know, and that is the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand one more time together as we reflect on the many ways that God has blessed us.
Good morning. Let us pray. Father God, Lord, I just um, I thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. Lord, during this time of year, it is so evident that your hand is at work in all the earth. It's how beautiful you have made everything and how wonderful and how perfect. Lord, just we stop and are in awe of your beauty. Lord, just we give this as a token of our gratitude towards you for our many blessings and help us ever be mindful of them. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's continue to prepare our hearts and minds for the message to come.
Brandon, thank you again for filling in at last notice. I hope you don't mind me drinking on the job. Um, mulch leaves yesterday, so uh, I've inhaled enough dust to put topsoil on a 40-acre field. <clears throat> so I'm going to try not to let it bother me. Uh, hopefully, the between the water and uh, some a handful of allergy pills that I took this morning, everything's going to be all right. It's good to see you. Listen, if nobody's told you yet, can I be the first one to tell you? I love you, and I'm so glad that you're here. Let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Today we're going to be looking at probably the single most quoted verse of Scripture in the Bible. Because we're going to start in John chapter 3, verse number 16. But then we're going to continue to read down through verse 21. Because while John 3.16 is, is an amazing verse, it only shows us one side of God's love. And so today we're going to look at the two sides of God's love. Here's what the Bible says, John chapter 3, beginning in verse number 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. He who believes in Him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world. And men love the darkness rather than the light. For their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light. And does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, again, we thank you for the privilege that is ours to be in this house of worship. Again, we thank you for your word that is living and active and true sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce the very soul of man, Lord. We thank you for your word. We pray now, Lord, that just as you have promised us in the book of Isaiah, that your word would never return void, that it would always accomplish that task for which you have sent it out. Lord, we pray that it will accomplish its task today. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to our, our heart and our life. Give us courage and faith to do so much more than just hear these words, but to embrace them, to inscribe them upon our heart, soul, and mind, that we may walk before you pleasingly, knowing, Lord, that you are worthy of our very best. Guide us now as we study your word as our prayer in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. 
One of Satan's greatest weapons is to take a little small nugget of truth and wrap it in a really big lie. But a half truth is still a lie. But that's the the shadowy area. That's the gray area where Satan likes to operate. That little nugget of truth wrapped in that big lie so that when you hear it, you hear the truth, but you also hear the lie. One great example of this is the fact that you hear a lot in society and the culture that a good and loving God would never send someone to hell. If God is good and God is loving, like the Bible says that He is, He would never send someone to hell. Now, the nugget of truth there is that God does not send anyone to hell. The truth is, those that go there, they go of their own choice. But the lie is that implication that God ignores the rebellious and sinful heart of man. That because God loves us, that that somehow negates our responsibility to to repent and receive Him as Savior. That somehow that... That does away with, because he loves us, that does away with the fact that he he will judge those who do not repent. There's two sides to God's love. Now, I've got a dollar bill in my my hand. And if I were to describe this one dollar bill to you, I may say something like, well, now it has uh, the official seal uh, of, of the United States government on it. It has a picture of George Washington on it. Uh, it has the, the seal of the Federal Reserve on it. It has serial numbers on it that are unique to this $1 bill because I didn't print it. Uh, the government did, so it's a unique serial number that identifies that $1 bill. It even has on the front of it the year that it was printed. But the question is, have I fully described this $1 bill to you? And the answer is no, because there is a second side. You see, this other side has also the seal of the the government, but it even has in there, in God we trust inscribed on it. It has a pyramid with the all-seeing eye drawn at the top of it, and and it has totally different features than the front side of the dollar bill. There's two sides to it. Now, let me tell you this. If you've got a one dollar bill that's only one-sided, it's not, you can't spend it. Try it. Go to the, go to the store with a, a dollar bill that's only printed on one side and try to pass it off as currency and they're going to reject it immediately. You know why? Because it takes both sides to make it worth a dollar. And so that's what we're looking at today because to describe the love of God, we have to describe both sides of that great love. So here's side number one. Let's look at side number one. 
Side number one is God's great love that offers us redemption. John 3.16, such an amazing uh, verse of Scripture spoken by Jesus Himself as He is uh, as He is teaching and He's leaving for us this testimony of, of His of, of His purpose, His mission, and, and what it's all about, and, and why the gospel is so important. And it demonstrates in that one verse God's love for mankind. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in Him, right? So it's, it's, it's showing that does God love every person walking on this planet right now? The answer is yes, of course He does. Every person walking this planet right now was created in His image, is intended to reflect His glory, and so yes... God loves each one. It was God's great love that motivated him to make the ultimate sacrifice on behalf of mankind. It, it tells us that in John 3.16. It was his love that led him to give so that we could have eternal life. Did you know that that's the way we express love? We, 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 we mirror the image of God when we express love by giving. We're coming up not too long from now on the Christmas season. It's getting closer and closer. And by the way, so it doesn't catch you off guard, it's on December 25th this year. But we get together with our family members and our friends and we express our love to them by giving them a gift. Listen, maybe... Maybe they can't use the gift. Maybe it's the wrong size, wrong color, whatever it may be. But it's, it's the act of giving the gift that expresses your love. And the Bible says that God so loved that He gave. Here's what we need to understand. There was absolutely nothing about any of us that could ever merit God making such a grand gesture of His love toward us. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how moral you are. It doesn't matter the fact that you may be a, 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 a person of upstanding character and respected in the community, liked and loved by those who know you. It doesn't matter. When, when you come before a holy God, you are broken and you are sinful. As I am broken and I am sinful, none of us had anything to offer God that would merit such a grand gesture of love. So the fact that He loves us and demonstrated that love to us shows us just how majestic and pure His love really is. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 5 verse number 8, that God demonstrates His own love toward us. And that while we were still Sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, everything about salvation is wrought about by the love of God. It is the love of God that, that, that brings to us the Holy Spirit of God that gives us the faith to believe in God so that when we put that faith in God, He redeems us by His grace and gives us salvation. That great love does all the work. 
does all the heavy lifting, does all of the, uh, all of the logistical things that have to take place. That great love is what, is what God gives to us that enables us to even come to Him in the first place. That great love of God. And just as God's great love motivated Him to offer mankind redemption, that same great love now dwells in every single believer. And that, and that should motivate us to share the good news of God's redemption. We should love because He first loved us. We're able now as, as Individuals who have experienced the grace and the mercy of God's great love. Now you and I are able to go into the world where others are hurting and searching and walking in darkness. And we're able to tell them about the great love that God gave us that's available also to them. It is God's love that should motivate us, compel us, push us. Toward the lost world that we live in. Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, verse fourteen. For the love of Christ compels us, controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, so that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose. On their behalf. Did you hear what Paul says? Paul says, I know who I am. I know where I've been. I know what I've done. I know the blasphemies that have come from my lips. I know the deeds that have been carried out by these hands. I I understand the hatred that has passed through this mind. I understand all of that. And can I tell you something? God demonstrated His love toward me. So that I could become a believer. And now that love is in me and it is compelling me, pushing me, motivating me, controlling me to go tell someone else. And if we don't do that, then we are disobeying the very law of love that dwells inside of us. Because God has given you not only His love to bring you to that point of repentance and redemption. But He's given you that love to help others come to that point of repentance and redemption. His extension of grace and mercy is motivated by His love. So, yes, God is love. That's what the Bible says plainly. Yes, God loves us in spite of our sinfulness. And yes, He freely offers redemption and forgiveness to all who will come to Him in repentance. But that is only one side of God's love. If we stop right there, we've, we've kind of embraced this cultural phenomenon of, of universalism that God loves all people and all people are going to heaven and, and all religions lead to the same God. And, and, and don't matter what you worship, when you worship or if you worship, you're going to go to heaven anyway. So your job is just to, to, while you're here right now, is to eat, drink and be merry and just be kind to everybody around you. 
That's the universalism that's embracing our culture right now. And, and folks, I'm here to tell you, if they're basing it on one side of God's love. It's based on that one side of God's love. Well, God loves everybody. Is that right or wrong? That's right. He loves everyone. Now, that's more than I can say for myself. It's probably more than you can say for yourself. There's probably some people that you have to like, but you really can't find it in your heart to love them. You know who I'm talking about. That, that, that face just popped in your mind right now. In fact, you may have even whispered their name off of your lips when I said that. You, 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 have to, you have to make yourself like them, but you can't find the way to make yourself love them. Can I tell you something? No matter how bad a person is, no matter where they've been, what they've done, what their background may be, it doesn't matter whether they were the best or the worst, the richest or the poorest. It doesn't matter what their station in life is. God loves that person. Yes, God is love. But we have to turn to the other side of God's love. And by the way, Jesus didn't want us to have to figure it out by ourselves, so He put it in the same passage that He talks about His love. When He says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But wait a minute. That, that's not all that He said in that passage of Scripture, right? What else did He say? That whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. He who believes in Him is not judged. But listen, He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So there's the other side of God's love. Yes, there is that side that offers us redemption. But the other side of God's love is that His great love demands judgment. The same love that can save us if we come to, to Christ in, in faith and, and we come to Him and in, in bow in, in repentance before Him, that same love that saves us if we reject the Lord Jesus Christ and we refuse to bow a knee and we refuse to acknowledge that He is the Lord, if we refuse to acknowledge that God is the God of heaven and the God of all creation, then that same love that could have saved us will judge us. That's the other side of God's love. This is where most people check out. This is where most people say, y'all, 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 y'all are crazy. Y'all are just crazy. God loves everybody. He's not going to do, he, he's not going to do anything like judge someone. See, we're okay with God loving us and offering us something. But what we're not okay with is when God's love demands something from us. That's when we're not okay. As long as He loves me and He'll put up with my shenanigans, as long as He's okay with me and He'll love me and and just let me be me, I'm okay with that. But the minute He demands something from me, that same love that's, that, that offers me salvation, the minute I have a problem that he's demanding something from me, I don't want that love anymore. 
We don't see that as love. Now, listen, most of us who have been parents and we've had small children, we understand that principle, believe it or not. Because when we see our child going to do something or about to do something that can harm them significantly, maybe even cause death, we immediately warn them of it, don't we? Don't touch that. Don't, don't play in the road. <laughs> don't, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. Don't run with scissors. You know, whatever it may be, we, we warn them about it. But what happens when we warn them and they do it? i tell you what should happen. I know it don't happen everywhere, but i tell you what should happen. There should be some form of punishment that reinforces the fact that that behavior was unacceptable and that there has been a warning giving, given that makes for an acceptable action. Now, I want to tell you something. This backside right here, I don't, I don't have much back here anymore. And that's because my daddy whooped it off of me. I grew up a preacher's grandson. And so I'd sit in the pews and I'd get a little rowdy and get a little noisy and all that good stuff. My dad didn't think twice about putting me over his shoulder and hauling me right out through the front doors of the church. And I knew what was going to happen when he did. And nine times out of ten, when he had me on his shoulder going out the door, I was screaming and yelling. No! No! Y'all pray for me! No! But that's how you learn what's the right behavior. I grew up when the woodsheds were already gone, but I knew what a hickory switch was. You see, great love offers a great reward, but demands a great judgment at the same time. That word perish in verse 16 and judged already in verse 18 calls us to stop for a second and say, wait a minute, I thought God loved us and offered us redemption. I I thought that great love was all about Jesus coming and all about Jesus dying and all about Jesus resurrecting and all about Jesus coming again. I thought that was what the great love was about. And it is. But while His great love is a display of His grace and His mercy. It is the holy love of God based on that truth that tells us God must punish sin and rebellion. God doesn't seek to use His love as a means of justifying our sin. He doesn't just say, it's okay. I know you didn't mean to. I know you couldn't help it. I know you weren't trying to. I know this was an accident. He doesn't just, he, he will never gloss over our disobedience. He will never gloss over our sin. He'll never gloss over our rebellion. He's never going to let you, he's never going to let you just get by with it. Because the great love that redeems us demands that the great love judge us. And it is that great love with which we see this judgment. 
God doesn't seek to justify our sin through His love. He is holy, He is righteous, He is pure, He is good, but He is a just God. He is a just God. He is a a, a holy God. And sin must be punished. Sin must be dealt with. That's why we have the cross. God knew that sin had to be dealt with. Sin had to be addressed. There must be some way that broken, sinful, rebellious people like you and I could find a way to salvation. And there was no way you and I could do it by ourselves. So God did it for us. So it was that great love that held Jesus to the cross. But it's also that great love that will happen and be exercised on the day when some will stand before Him and hear, Depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. It's that same great love. Because that love is not just a good love and the warm fuzzy love. But it is a holy, righteous, just love. That demands that punishment. So while his love motivates us. Or motivates him to offer redemption. It also demands that he judge those who reject his redemption. So the truth is, God does not send people to hell. He does not. Jesus died for every last person who had ever lived, who's alive now and ever will live. That cross was for them and for you and for me. But those that are condemned to hell are there because they refused to respond to that great love that brought them redemption and offered them a means of salvation. They reject that love. So the sad thing is, but the reality is that every person who will spend eternity in that lake of fire that's talked about in Revelations chapter 20, every person who will be there, including Satan, will be there by choice. They chose to reject the great love that offered them redemption. So now that same great love judges them to punishment. Satan has sold that lie. Man, has he sold that lie. God's love. God is 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 love. Surely he would never exercise judgment on someone he loves. Surely he would never. But he does. Because that judgment is reserved for those who reject his love. There's one other thing I want to point out in this verse, these verses that we read. Notice when that judgment takes place. Do you see, can you see where that judgment takes place? 
He who believes in Him, verse 18, is not judged. Okay, here's the next one, ready? He who does not believe has been judged already. See, for some reason, we've been sold that line, we've taken it and we've, we've ran with it, hook, line, and sinker. That we're going to stand in front of God one day and He's going to, he's going to hem haul around and go, hmm, hmm, let me think about this one. Well, you did a couple of good things over here and you did a couple of good things over there and you helped some people over here and, you know, you gave some money to some charitable organizations over there. Hmm, what am I going to do with you? What am I going to do with you? That's not what happens. That's not the way it works. Can I tell you how it works? The day you were born, you were already judged. In sin, my mother conceived me. In sin, I was born. Now, granted, we understand and we believe and we know this to be true. I believe we can, we can prove it emphatically by God's Word that until that child reaches an age of accountability where they understand that they're a sinner, they understand that there is a right way and a wrong way for God, God wants us to live. Until they, there is that age when we come to that, that understanding. And we, we, we can prove it scripturally and we know this to be true that God, God's great love and grace covers that child up until that point of accountability. So those sweet little children, which by the way, they were born broken. Did you know that? Oh no, yours was perfect. No, they weren't. You didn't teach them how to lie. Just one day they came up and, bleh, and a lie came out. That was that brokenness, that sinful nature that was already there. They didn't have to conjure it up. You didn't have to put it in. You didn't have to program it or install it. It was just already there. But once that person reaches that age of accountability, listen to me, that judgment becomes effectual at that moment. And you are judged already. So it's not that you're waiting for your judgment. Your judgment has been rendered already. Now here's the good news, Christian. If there was a time in your life, you come to the understanding you were lost in need of a Savior and you couldn't save yourself and you came to the Lord Jesus Christ and you bowed uh, before the cross of Christ and you acknowledged that you were a sinner, that you needed a Savior, you were repenting of your sin, which simply means just turning away from it and not walking toward it, but walking away from it, that you repent of your sin in that very moment, you were saved by grace. And by the way, your judgment's already been done. Because now, instead of your judgment taking place, when you stand before God, we point back to the cross and say, that's where you were judged, right there. And that cross covers you for the rest of your life. So there we have it, the two sides of God's love. Forgiveness, grace, mercy, redemption... They await any and all who will receive Jesus as their Savior by faith. But in the same breath, we must say, judgment and wrath await those who willfully reject and refuse to turn from their sin and turn to Jesus for salvation. 
There's an old saying that we Baptists like to throw around. Love the sinner but hate the sin. And that's rightly so, by the way. The problem is we we don't use it like that. The problem is we often mean love the sinner and accept the sin. And there's a difference between the two. That is not godly love. If you were riding home today, you passed by a home that you saw was engulfed in flames. But in one little section of the house that had yet the flames had yet to reach, you noticed someone standing in the window. And they they were going to perish. They were going to die if someone didn't rescue them. How many of us would just say, oh well, that's their choice. <laughs> that's the room they chose. When the fire came, you know, it just is what it is. I know there's nothing I can do about it. Some of us may run and try to run into that home and rescue that individual. Others of us may seek out help so that they can run into that home and rescue that individual. But either way, we would try to find a way to get them out of that situation where they're going to perish. Well, I want to tell you something. There's a fate awaiting those who are lost that's far worse than dying in a house fire. It's an eternity without God. An eternity of punishment. But do we care enough to take them the, the ladder, if you will, of the gospel? Now, they may choose to stay in that burning building. That's, that's their choice at that point. But it won't be because they didn't have a way out. It would be because they chose to stay in. The same is true for us today. We, we need to understand that that love that God's placed in our heart, that saved us, should be the same love that drives us toward the lost. So I want to close it this way this morning. First and foremost, let's just go ahead and go to the most important question. Have you as an individual accepted God's offer of redemption? I want you to know right now that God could never love you any more than He loves you right now, but He'll never love you any less. He loves you with the fullness of His love, and He wants you to know Him so that you can love Him. But you'll never know that until you repent of your sin and come to Jesus for salvation. God so loved the world. He loved you so much that He sent Jesus to die in your place. To take your judgment for your sin. And in love, He offers you forgiveness and redemption right here, right now, today. So if you don't know Him, today's a great day to respond to His love. Secondly, if you're a believer, are you using God's love to remain in your sin? <laughs> you see, even believers do that. Well, God loves me. He's not. Uh, we'll have to answer for our faithfulness. 
It may be that you've rejected God's love and that you're using that good old lie that Satan has sold you. A good and loving God would never send anyone to hell. You're safe. You know, you're okay. Well, that same love that God's holding out to us today for salvation is the same love that will execute our judgment if we refuse and reject His offer. Whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. But on the other side, he who does not believe has been judged already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So you and I get to have a choice. Which side of God's love do we want to, we want to rule and reign over us? Do I want the love that that redeems me? Or am I going to live my own life and do my own thing, call my own shots, be my own little G-God, and one day let that same love condemn me? Two sides to God's love. Which side are you on? Uh, Are you on the side of redemption or the side of judgment? Two sides. That's our choice. In just a moment, we're going to stand together. We're going to sing together. This altar is always open. If you want to come and kneel and pray, I'm down front. I'll be glad to pray with you, pray for you, whatever you may need from me. I'll be right down front where I can greet you if you come. You can pray right there in the pew where you are. You can pray in the car on the way home. But this is your opportunity to to ask God, God, show me, which side of this am I on? Am I on the, am I on the redemption side of it because I've received your love or am I on the judgment side because I've rejected it? Lord, show me. If you're on the redeeming side, go tell somebody. They need to hear it. If you're on the judgment side, today's your day of salvation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great love. A love that offers us salvation. A love that offers us redemption. A love that offers us forgiveness. A love that offers us a home in heaven. A a love that offers us the beauty and the majesty of your grace and your mercy. Thank you for that love that offers redemption. But Lord, help us to be mindful that that same love looms large as the instrument of judgment over all those who refuse and reject you. Lord, we thank you that you loved us so much that you didn't want a single person on this planet to ever have their sins not atoned for. So you provided Jesus to do just that. And now you offer it freely to all who will come. But Lord, you've already told us, you've given us your word, you've you've spelled it out so clearly and so plainly that we can't misunderstand it, we can't can't misuse it. It's there that those who refuse to come to you, those who refuse your salvation, refuse to repent, refuse to surrender, Lord, that same great love, 
will one day utter the words, Depart from me. You are a worker of iniquity, and I never knew you. Lord, how I pray that if there's one in this room right now, they've bought the lie that God is good and God is love and He would never send anyone to judgment, never send anyone to hell. How I pray, Lord, that even in these moments that we've spent together, that through the power of God the Holy Spirit, You've pulled those blinders off of their eyes. That through the power of God the Holy Spirit, You've invaded that heart and that mind and You've revealed truth to them that they can no longer ignore. And that, Lord, today will be their day when they come to the cross of Christ with repentance in their heart and by faith receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, accepting His His death as theirs, accepting His punishment as theirs, but also accepting His life as theirs. Lord, today use that love to motivate every born-again believer in this room Use it to push us, compel us, control us into the world of darkness around us so that we can share the good news, the gospel, that love has come, that grace is available, that mercy is awaiting for all those who will turn to Jesus. Let that love compel us, Lord. These next few moments, Lord, do in our hearts what only you can do is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we prepare to sing.
Well, thank you so much for being here today. God bless you. It's good to see you. Hope you have a wonderful week and uh, look forward to seeing you back next Sunday. We're just a couple Sundays away from VIP Sunday, so uh, it's not too late to go ahead and invite someone to come and be a part of that service with us. Let's take just a moment to be dismissed in a word of prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your great love, a love we could never earn, a love we could never deserve, a love that is so great that it would nail your own Son, God the Son, to a cross on our behalf. Lord, help us to walk, live, and breathe in the love of God, that we may share that love with others who are yet to know it that they too may come to know the God that created them and loved them so much. Dismiss us, we pray, with your great love. Keep each one safe as they travel. And we pray, Lord, that you'll bring us back at the next appointed hour. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.